right, Cornerstone, we want to welcome you to again to another podcast where we are we are talking about in Beyond Sunday the realities, the amazingness of the truths of God's Word, but beyond just the amazingness of God's Word, how God's Word lands itself into the life of a local church. And I think both these guys that would agree with me, both Spencer and both Christian, that man, it is the way God intended it to, to come to life. And so we're excited to, to begin kind of going back into First Thessalonians. That's where we currently are right now. We'll take different moments where we'll talk about other things besides First Thessalonians. But for right now, that's where we are, and we've been unpacking it. And uh, last week, uh, Christian, uh, or I brought uh, just to the, to the table some different things. Christian, the week before, but you're going to hear different ways in which we're approaching uh, First Thessalonians for the next few weeks. But this last week, we I was the one that unpacked 213 through 16. And um, but I I just I want everybody to be reminded it got built out of everything that Christian preached on that I preached on the weeks before. That that little and in verse 13, if you got your Bible in front of you, man, is so important. But I would say the key, and, and maybe I'll just throw this out to you guys as we kind of talk about the importance of why we need to do this, to talk about this, is how strange it is that our family, our spiritual family that you talked on the week before, is actually called to embrace an identity of weakness. Mm. Like how strange, right? To to actually say that somehow, like Paul says uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just to throw it to you guys, because I mean, I'm the one that preached on it, but like, why is that such a huge thing to talk about as the church today? Yeah, I think, I think part of it, I'll play it back to you, <laughs> okay. Aaron, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> like, hey, you're the subject matter expert here. Um, I think it's actually really, really important here to remember kind of where you started us probably four or five weeks ago of going, what was the context that was, Paul was writing into him? And what was going on in Thessalonica? Because I think when we understand kind of the makeup of what was going on in the city and then what was going on in the church and kind of what was going on there, that helps us to start to understand how that could be relevant and practical for us today. So I think more than just about any passage we've walked through, remembering the context here really matters. So what what was going on? Yeah, well, if, I mean, there's remember. multiple fronts to it. Yeah, <laughs> if I can remember. There's multiple fronts to it. There's there's Paul and Timothy and Silas, right? We have them being brought in as people in this, and they were coming into town in a position of weakness, right? They they had had that vision. They came over to Macedonia. They land, and it doesn't go so well. In Philippi. In yeah. Philippi, right? So they work their way down to, to, to Thessalonica, and then things don't go so hot in Thessalonica, so they go on to Berea. But I would say both, all three of those stories are a story of weakness. They're a story of men tired, worn down, scared, fearful, right? Not, not the normal place you would want to be to advance this great mission of King Jesus, but yet Paul continues to tie in this idea, but that's where we were, and that's where the Spirit of God manifested himself in power. Right, so that's, that's what's going on with Paul. But was... on the other side of it, with Thessalonica, right. again, as he's writing this letter back, we got to remember... This is probably a little bit of an interlude between some pretty severe persecution they've been experiencing. And I don't know, like one time I went surfing, I'll never forget this, my first time. And the first time a wave ever turned me and I couldn't find my way up. And finally my head came up and I'm wondering, what in the world just happened? Like you're just, you're, you're discombobulated, you're sore, you're scared. And I think like in a lot of ways too, they were, they were weak. 
They were scared. They were vulnerable. And so Paul's in many ways, as he's writing back to this Thessalonian group, I think he's taking his own story. And, and Christian, I thought you did a great job of this a couple of weekends ago. And he's retelling the story, but he's retelling the story so we can see the power of God in the life of the church. And yet he operates in this story, making sure they understand it's not like the world tends to view power. Yeah, it's that upside down kingdom you talked about, because I think that's the thing with the, the weakness, the suffering, the way that basically Paul keeps getting chased out of from town to town. But what does he leave behind? Yeah. This brand new little family. You know, like when he leaves Philippi, before he heads out, he goes and he encourages the brothers and then moves on to Thessalonica. Now he's writing back to brothers. And and that's the counterintuitive way. Like Paul, Paul and his companions, they're suffering. They're kind of, they're needing to and sometimes flee yeah. the towns that they're in. And yet the 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 beachhead has been established. This new gospel family has come to life there. And that's the part that's meant to jar our sensibilities. But it came to life with Paul saying in the chapter you preached on, not through eloquent speech, not through pulling levers of power, but as just these faithful kind of mom and dad images, right? Like it just came to you in, in weakness, but it came to you where he says earlier in chapter one with power yes. in the Holy Spirit, with conviction. And so it's so strange for us to try to wed together this idea of weakness and power, but yet that juxtaposition is all throughout, not only I think the Old Testament or the New Testament, I even think Paul's going to suddenly in this, in this passage stretch us back right into the prophets of old, showing that this is the rhythm of our family. This is what we look like. And I think he's doing it. And this is where I want I, Cornerstone to embrace, is that when it seems so much like we're weak, Paul would say to them, yeah, that's our family right now. Yeah. We're operating from that position, but watch out. In the same way Jesus in Gethsemane or, you know, Gideon or, I mean, whoever you want to pick throughout the, the, the biblical narrative, when it seems so much like, what are we going to do? God's power steps into that in a very powerful way as the means of a declaration of who he is. So you asked how it plays? There. There, you go. there we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you drew it out of me. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna unpack this text a little bit. I'm excited about to to do that with these guys, and then we'll we'll land something I think is so important uh, into into cornerstone specifically to do that. So here we go. So Todd, in this passage you walked us through in, in two thirteen through sixteen, you see this juxtaposition of what looks like weakness of the world is actually the power of God, and oftentimes the way that people try to use power. It's the Rube Goldberg machine. You don't get much out of it on the backside of it. So show us in this passage how you see that come together. Well, I think like, and it's what I tried to draw out on Sunday was this, how loaded that and is in verse 13. Like, I think sometimes, you know, it's like, <laughs> we forget the conjunction, junction, what's your function is so important, right? To the to connecting of a thought. And I thought Spencer did well when we were just kind of talking about this earlier. He's drawing all the way back into chapter one. He's pulling them back to the idea of where's this faith, this hope, this love, right? All those realities. And as he's drawing it through and building out of the boldness you talked about, which is a boldness of of what? Of transparency and of vulnerability. Of vulnerability that works its way out, not in the way that the world would normally see it, but as these parent, right, images that he pulls in there. And so he's loading it all in. And again, you have to remember, they're probably wondering, but yeah, but but Paul, we're we're beaten down, Paul. We're scared. Um, we've lost our families. We've lost our social network, potentially even jobs. You know, Jason had lost some of his privilege and now he had to <clears throat> step in for Paul. I mean, you, you, I think sometimes we forget to let these people just be human yeah. 
And I think in the back of their mind, Paul knew that, right? As the guy that's there. Well, because it's not just him knowing it. He's actually experiencing it. Well, he's also experiencing it. And so, yeah, he's getting the report. But he's also like he himself is in the same boat, which we'll look at next week. Right. The the, the situation where he's at, you got to remember, he, he's probably writing this from Corinth, but he's been in this terrible position of being all alone in Athens. Everybody's walked away from him because he's he sent them. But I think like this whole letter, just it, it resonates of weakness. Mm. But yet in this, the power of God steps in. And so when he loads that up and, he, you know, that and comes out of it. He, he, he goes back to the message he proclaimed to him that you talked about, Christian, right? This message that he came in and declared to them, it was the gospel of God. He repeats that twice within that, right? So it's a royal proclamation, yeah. but it's not done like the world does it, like those philosophical teachers. I did it differently. I, I came to you much more with, with this fatherly language. But in that weakness that Paul conveys himself and Timothy and Tithet, or Silas, he says to them, but that's the message you received. And not only did you receive it, but I love what he what he has in there. You you accepted it, you embraced it, not as like all the hucksters out there, that man message, or even I would say, you know, a royal declaration of like Caesar coming through a town. That's not how you took it. He said, You took it as the very word of God. How I presented it to you in weakness, which again seems so strange. Wow, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, no. You received it, and it was a powerful message that landed into you, that transformed you. And I think even that word he, he uses in there, it, 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 it caused you to flourish. You came to life, right? And I think they would have known that. But but then in there, like, again, they're probably going, yeah, okay, Paul, fine. But we're pretty worn out. Like, I don't know what was so good about that. And here's where I think Paul does a masterful job in 14, 15, and 16. He says in there, well, know that weakness that you're experiencing? That's the norm for our family. And in a really cool way, he says you became imitators. Remember you talked about that the week before, how important this imitation language is. But they're not necessarily imitating Paul. And Paul, I don't think, expects them to know how to imitate their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ in all of Judea, you know, Palestine. But I think in a very cool way, he's going, hey, do you know how you're experiencing this? Your brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem and and in Judea, we're that way. And, and even stretching it out, probably it's Palestine, more right? Samaria. And then he even talks about himself. He's like, me and Timothy and Silas, the very people, this is how we feel. And then in a very cool way, he then stretches it to Jesus, right? The very one we're modeling our life after who, I mean, how often did Jesus call them to, no, not to be the greatest amongst you, but actually the most powerful one is the least amongst yeah. you, right? The greatest amongst you will be least. And, and then the way he modeled it, but then in this, uh, he stretches it even back to the prophets. Yeah. He's like, look, like this is how God, for in God's economy, as the means of displaying him, he's demanded that we would be dependent. And weakness is the place in which God's power is made manifest. Yeah, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> it totally is, right? Which, again, that seems so strange, but he, and I don't think like, again, he's going, Woohoo! You know, here we go. I think it's just more of like you said, this is the way. Like he's just telling them, man, but isn't it great? Kind of like Hebrews 12, that God disciplines those he loves. Well, you're just demonstrating right now you're his people. Yeah. And I think that discipline, like not just a consequence of disobedience, no. but I am molding you into what I want you to look like. Yes. I'm teaching you to walk in the way that I set for you. Yeah. And so in it, in it, and again, that's what I mean. It wasn't a woohoo statement. It was a 
It was more of just, here's who we are. Yeah. This is our family. This is how we resonate. We don't operate from levers of power. We actually believe that even in great weakness, God is so powerful in other and humans. Yeah. He can display himself. And, and you can just imagine them them going, but yeah, but this is so unfair. Do you know what they, my countrymen have done to us? Do you get it? Like, it's hard here. And it's almost like he pulls out the Trump card and he's like, yeah, my people kind of get that. Like, um, we understand this whole <laughs> reality. And that's where I think he brings in the Jews. And like, he's not trying to be anti-Semitic. He's just trying to create a connecting point. No, I understand what it is to be persecuted by your countrymen. I well, it's, it's almost like a, it could be a corrective on one side where it's like, hey, you know, you're not the first ones to go through this. Yeah. So there's a little bit of correction, but then there's also an encouragement in that very same correction of yeah. which is you're not alone in this. No, empathy, right? Yeah. Like, going, hey guys, you're not alone. Like I'm going through the same kind of thing you are. Silas and so Timothy. is Silas, so is Timothy, so is the church in Jerusalem. So did Jesus. So did all these Old Testament prophets. Like, hey guys, you're you're not alone in this. Yeah. Which is both corrective and encouraging, I think. Because yeah. I know for me, that's but I remember that I'm not alone. Yeah. And, and, and in that, though, now he's saying, okay, this is, like you said, it, he stretches it in a very cool way geographically, mm-hmm. right, where it's he, he makes the picture bigger for them. And then not only does he make the bigger picture geographically, but then he stretches through time. And it's like he includes them into what why we make the story so important to who we are as Cornerstone, right? Yeah. He called them back into their story. This is who you are. This is the rhythm of who we are. And in their mind thinking, yeah, but it's unjust. Man, it's like these things being done. And he says, don't worry. Like in the same way that God stores up these sins in, in, in dealing with his people, the, the Jewish people, that it, they're now seeing it kind of the ramifications of what took place in 44 AD and 49 AD and was building towards, I think, 70 AD. God sees that. I think it's just like a very powerful, God's got it. Yeah. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to fight for injustice. You don't have to try to pay vengeance back. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, you know, kind of out of there. And you don't even have to like give up. God's got this and he's going to meet it out. Now your job now is to be my people because God is still saving Jewish people and Gentile people. He's still a God that is saving those from the wrath to come. So instead of getting caught up in vengeance or giving up, just go, go declare my royal message like Paul, like I did to you. Yeah, Declare. that's where I forget which one of you said it, but um, he he re, he reintroduces imitation language, and it's imitation like, hey, be imitators of other churches who are imitating Jesus because they're trying to reflect him, right? Yeah. And going, okay, so so imitate Jesus. Yes. But there's something so like it, you're you're fighting against instinct in some ways because typically discomfort, pain. We're, we're, we're wired for that to be a wake-up call. Oh, I need to change something. Something's out of whack, right? It's like the old operation game we played as kids nah. where if you, <laughs> nah, and the guy's little red nose lights up, oh, I, I, I'm I doing something wrong. And I think there's a part where I think Paul, of all people, understands that reflex of when I'm pressing into the tension of seeing this new kingdom come to life in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, that creates such tension. But man, when when that tension happens, it does it's it's not like it's not like the rumble strip on the side of the highway that shows you oh my gosh i'm about to go off into the ditch no he says stay in that like yeah. this is actually what what this new life coming to life not only in you personally but in your community like the kingdom of god breaking in it breaks in in in, in a tension filled way yeah. so again he's saying not only are you not alone not only are you not the first ones but 
stay in it, stay on target, because this is actually something that indicates you're on the right track. That's the second Star Wars reference, by the way. I know. Hey, thanks. We're being very Star Warsy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's what makes this section so beautiful. Like, I think this is why this is so powerful. Yeah. Is that it's not a rah-rah speech. It's not anything like that. It's just, hey, here's your family. You're in that family. Keep doing what our family does. Don't deviate. You know, stay. I'll give you another Star Wars. Stay on target. Yes. Right? In what we're doing. So, anyways, that's where I think it goes. And this is where I can't wait to talk to you guys about, okay, how do we actually land this idea of embracing our family identity of weakness so that the power of God might be put on display. All right. So we're wrapping up um, this section here and, and coming out of chapter two, uh, verses 13 and following. Um, we're talking about suffering and how this beat down, discouraged group, Paul's writing into that and saying, okay, we suffered differently because it's a way of moving the gospel forward. And Paul kind of ties it into kind of the lineage of, of the gospel community. But hey, you're not alone in this one. So practically speaking, like, I don't know, I'd be curious from you guys. One, either how is this really practical and relevant for Cornerstone in Simi? Or maybe what makes this difficult to wrap our, you know, brains and lives around, you know, here in Simi? So... Ready, go. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I'll just I'll kick us off a little bit, and then we can have that discussion. But I think it affects every facet of life because we don't normally operate in life from a position of like embracing weakness, right? Like that's not my general bent. Whether I'm being a husband or if I'm going to get into a fight with my wife, I'm fighting for a lever of power, not of, of true yeah. weakness of God being the means of 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 restoring that parenting, friendship, um, work relationships, right? We're, we're trying to climb the ladder and we're not afraid to use positions and levers of power to get that. Um, I just think it's in all facets of life. It's so counterintuitive yeah. to work. You said weakness, but weakness, humility, suffering, any of those things. All those that are, yeah, all of those things. seem to yeah. put us back to, to what I thought Christian did such a good job of, of laying out this idea of boldness of, vulnerability. Yeah. Like to be vulnerable in marriage, to love my wife as Christ loves the church means I'm putting myself in a position of vulnerability. Yeah. I'm laying aside my rights. To not exasperate yeah. my children, Ephesians 6, puts me in a position of vulnerability and openness. It's not operating. He doesn't say, yeah, you know what? You, you just, you bring the fist down on your children. You make them what, you know, he says, no, don't, don't, don't exasperate mm -hmm. them. Operate differently in that. And so I think like that for me, if, if kind of to play into both your questions you had, that's hard because I've been taught my whole life, get levers of power, get a better argument, win the, you know, get to the top. Yeah, you got to fight for your right. Fight to party. Um, that's right. I uh, didn't say that. <laughs> but Beastie Voice would say that. <laughs> um, and so I think like this is where it's so, it's so mm -hmm. difficult. And I, I think in between we were talking about you know, we were talking about Paul's relationship to his Jewish brethren. The reason wasn't anti-Semitic is that he's Jewish. Yeah. But you get to like Romans 11, and I'll let you kind of unpack a little bit. But man, he, these people that have been abusing him mm -hmm. and that he used to be part of them abusing others, he's like, oh, I wish I could step in. Yeah. I wish I could put myself even in a greater position of weakness as a means of saving 
my brethren. So I don't, I don't know if you want to unpack that a little bit more, but I think that's like, that's not our norm. Yeah. I think, I mean, is, uh, earlier on you were talking about juxtaposition, that big, it's big like word. It's the third time we've used that word I know, today. Right? And I still haven't got a definition Spencer's going to define it for us because he's, he's, he's the college president of, yes. out of all of us. No, but, also a member at Cornerstone. <laughs> so there's like, again, the, the idea is you take two, two ideas that seem contradictory and you hold them together because the point is to, to see the, the complex relationship between them. And you talked earlier about that complex relationship between weakness and power that we see throughout I mean, throughout the, the entire story of Scripture, but especially what Paul's doing here in First Thessalonians. And I think, again, when he talks about this boldness that I mentioned last week is this idea of having like both a, a soft heart toward people and a thick skin to endure mistreatment. I, I mean, That's Paul speaking from his heart in regard to his, his own Jewish brethren, right? Like he says in Romans 9, my heart, I mean, I have grief in my heart. I, I, I would be willing to be separated from Christ myself if that might mean that they might be brought in. Like the amount of, of, of physical pain and, and social pressure and just the heartache that Paul felt from his, his, his Jewish countrymen at the same time saying, I would still love to lay down my life for them. How do you do that? Gosh, I see a Jesus in that, right? I just see the image of Jesus formed in Paul to that place where he he's willing to continue to embrace that vulnerability. And yet on the other side, the part, again, the thing that allows him to maintain that soft heart is, is what he says there at the end of chapter two. God knows how to mete out wrath yeah. and do it with greater justice and measuredness and precision than we can. Could ever imagine doing that. Ever. And so he, there's that sense, of, okay, I can, I can, Leave this in God's hands. And so how do we hold such separate emotions of I love them and would still lay down my life for them, though they continue to hurt me? And God will judge and he will bring wrath rightly. I think the two of those are like the things that allows him to, to stay in the saddle. So I've got to be that guy now. Yeah. Um, land that in practicality in Simi Valley right now. Yeah. I think that um, there's a sense in which I know for myself Anytime, especially if it's a group that I used to identify myself with, and then I start to see the, the the gross underbelly of it, there's that sense of even, it's like a shame response for myself if I want to distance myself from that. Oh, I'm no longer, I would no longer want to be identified with that group, whether it's conservatives or liberals or whatever, what, whatever group it might be, right? There's that sense of, I want to create distance because I don't want to be identified with them. And you see the way Paul is still willing, in, in a sense, to, to, to say, I, I'm still identified as a Jewish man, but I am now in Christ. There's a, there's a difference there. And yet I still have that posture of, of, of um, compassion and a desire to see them, see them embrace Jesus, right? So I think in some ways where this lands for me is who are those that it's easy for me to um, jab at, throw under the bus, create straw men of all those dummies that think or operate that way. And I want to have that same sense of compassion. I want to have that same se sense. And I think that there's also the the sense of, I guess this is where maybe that like that prophetic calling that we have as Christians, not necessarily like telling the future, but speaking faithfully in the midst of the world. You see the the way that all the prophets in the Old Testament by and large are saying, you need to see the goodness of God's rule. You need to stop fighting against it because God will bring judgment. The day of the Lord is coming, like we'll talk about later in this book. And I think that there is still that compassionate confidence that we say, no, actually, if you continue to operate in these ways and advocate for these things that are totally against God's word, 
you will have to deal with him one day. So it's not about me trying to pull levers in order to get the world to work the way that I want to work. I want it to work so that what I want to say and do and value gets authorized. But there is a sense to, to entrust to the, the ultimate justice of God and seek for social change, not to make ourselves comfortable or to make us feel like we're in power or that, but instead with that sense of yeah. the day of the Lord is coming. Yeah. Is that, I, mean, I don't know. No, no, I think so. It's I a mean, step closer to yeah, reality. Pra- practically for me, I go, I go, I, I struggle because my, my affections, like I generally, if I'm being really honest, usually I'm kind of deceptive on in these kind of environments, right? Not really. Um, but if I'm being honest on this one, I don't love the people of Simi Valley the way that I should. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I don't love the people that God's placed in my life the way that I could. And so that that creates a real struggle. And then secondly, the, the thing that that makes this difficult is not only do I not have a heart of compassion towards them like Paul had towards his countrymen, but also I don't fundamentally believe that suffering is a legitimate means of proclaiming the gospel. Hmm. Wow. Like, like I want to avoid that, not embrace that. And so suffering, being in positions of hardship, being in positions of like forced humility or weakness, as you were saying, Todd, I don't believe in my heart that those are actual viable means of gospel proclamation. So that, that's where this is hard, because if I don't believe that, then I'm going to default to wanting to to go to worldly means of, of proclaiming the gospel. Or maybe, yeah, that was a legitimate means for Paul and the Thessalonians and maybe like believers in Eastern Europe, but we shouldn't have to do that here because our our society is built on something we different. Right. There's a different set of rules to represent Jesus here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm saying that personally going, that is still kind of the, the knee-jerk reaction I often mm-hmm. have. Yeah, I yeah. think like you've got, listening to you guys talk, one aspect is like, Simply by proclaiming the good news of God, you are already placing yourself in a position of weakness. Mm. But yet, sometimes we don't declare the good news of God, right? So sometimes we just need to begin to declare yeah. God's good message to people. And yeah. and we don't feel friction or heartache or difficulty because we're not really proclaiming the message. And so, like, I, I really do think it's a re-embracing, whether it's making sure we're embracing, we're, we're proclaiming the good message of Jesus in our homes to mm-hmm. our kids and, and proclaiming the good message to our neighbors. And and I think so part of it is we need to proclaim it. Like, mm-hmm. we need to be like a Paul, and we need to make sure that the people around us are hearing this message. But the difficulty is, you know, that in our culture, the moment you proclaim the message, like, I've got a few guys I'm sharing Jesus with right now. I'm stupid. I'm a moron. How could you believe something like that? Right. And, and I know that's like who, you know, on some levels it's like, oh, who cares? But no, you're instantly outcast, mm-hmm. right? You're no longer in normal society because you actually believe that Jesus truly is who he says he is as the true King of Kings, right? And Lord of Lords. And so there's one side of it where I think to put to willingly share gospel good news with people automatically puts you in a position of weakness. But we know this because we've all seen people embrace the gospel. We also see the power of God step into that moment, right? <clears throat> and then I think it is, it's just what I said earlier. It's like trying to figure out how to work that not just into every facet, I mean, into every facet of life, like believing that. Like I do I believe that the next time my wife and I have an argument mm-hmm. that actually I can fight for a position of weakness because 
Weakness is a place in which Jesus will manifest himself. Humility is a position he'll manifest himself. Or am I going to be regular old Todd and win the stupid argument, you know, all the while to put Todd on display, not God, in my parenting? And even in, in our, you know, like I felt like over the last couple of years in our politics, like we forgot our family story, that we don't need levers of power. Yeah. Like if anybody demonstrated that the church does not need levers of power, the first four centuries of the church were a dynamic expression that we can just be the people of God. And then suddenly our message and our king manifesting his kingdom in the world yeah. Turn the world upside down. Yeah, like and, suffering is a legitimate means of yes. gospel advancement. In fact, that was the argument, third century, the apologists, where like they, you know, they're writing to the people in control saying, We're your best citizens. Yeah. You, you, you everyone else runs away. We stay in the midst of the pandemic. Everyone else runs off to other things to protect themselves. We stay there. We we're not anti-Caesar. We want our culture to flourish and grow, but we have a king. Yeah. And he's Jesus, and he manifests himself differently. And yet, within, I mean, think about that. Within four centuries, that's not that long in the giant scheme of things, a group of humble, weak, meek inherited the kingdom of God from the standpoint of they brought and manifested the kingdom into the world. And so I think, like, even we lost our story there. And that's why I appreciate so much, like, I, what Cornerstone does and what you guys have done in my life. To, so, in other words, how do we stay in this position? We really need to retell the story to each other all the time, right? We need to keep reminding each other, here's your story. Mm -hmm. You know, I need you guys in my life as friends to go, hey, Todd, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're living man's wisdom. You're living that story. I want to beckon you back to God's true story, the God's word. The let's, let's, let's operate from that perspective. So I think it's just, it's manifesting in every facet of, of life and needing our family. Yeah. Like it's almost right, like I remember watching a story once, a movie one time where the that the grandpa just told the story of the family over and over and over. And then the whole point was by the time this kid grew up, he was telling their family story. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like this is the beauty of us is we just need to keep telling our family story of a, of a group of people that may look like we're weak. There's a dichotomy here. We look weak, but actually we're strong. And I think, man, for me, it's like, oh, please, people, tell me, yes. tell me this story again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I had um, a few specific uh, instances in mind of going, whether we say weakness, humility, whatnot, um, I struggle with being in positions where I am dependent. Mm. And yet God seems to continually bring opportunities for me to practice dependence. Dependence, <laughs> dependence and interdependence, right? And and it was a it was another you know just a, a a guy who's faithful faithful follower of Jesus a few years older than me, and he did almost exactly what Paul does here with these this this group of uh, of, of believers in Thessalonica where he just looked at me and he goes he goes yeah he goes dependence that's that's kind of the mark of a follower of Jesus like don't want to get out of that like that's yes like embrace it yeah it's hard yeah, yeah. independence isn't yeah like yeah it's hard. <laughs> do it. That's, that's what God's called you to. Yeah. And it's like, but it, it was just such a counterintuitive thing. Cause I want, I don't like to be dependent and I don't like to be interdependent. And, and that was, but, I, but I, to your point, I needed someone to come alongside and remind me that this is the story that we're a part of. Yeah. And I think like, again, even in this podcast, 
that's why I think like us sitting here together as friends, like we, we know, we, we know where we stink. We know that, you know, the areas that we shine, but I think the thing just to commend you guys, like in talking about this, you guys have always beckoned me back to the story. And I think that's what we need more of within Cornerstone is a, Hey, don't forget, you know, our stories, we don't need levers of power. We don't need to control, you know, the, the key areas of our world. The church never has. Yeah. Because our King Jesus, Abraham Kuyper talked about this, is that everywhere we go, Jesus is already king over all yeah. things. We just need to go live like it. We yeah. need to live like actually he truly is king. And and so I just want to thank you guys like for the role you played in my life of just always beckoning me back to our, our great story that's counterintuitive. It, there's a, I'll use it again, juxtaposition. There's a dichotomy. There's a four times, whatever it is, right. Is a paradox. And is I, it? I think there's a unique, like there's a, there's the, a burden. It's funny. It, it both puts a burden on me and takes a burden off me that I'm, I'm not supposed to expect this to ever just come naturally. Yeah. Like none of this comes naturally to any of us. This is a, this is a new nature thing. This is a new birth reality. And I think to almost take that pressure off of like, we, we should never expect to just roll out of bed knowing how to do this. We're always going to need to depend upon God, his spirit, one another, his word. And I think it's that, that sense of, I, 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 if I put the expectation on myself or when I fail, I go, why didn't I just know how to do that? You didn't, you didn't know how to just do that perfectly. Cause you, you're someone who was born into the family of Adam, who's now been reborn in the family of Jesus. And you're still learning how to be this new person. And so are we. I think embracing that. So hopefully y'all, y'all can tell as we sometimes get messy in these conversations, I don't think any of us, when we're thinking rightly, think that we've arrived, yeah, amen. but let's pursue this together. Let's learn how to tell this story and walk in the footsteps of Jesus together. Well, I, I just want to say all to you, just thanks for joining us on Beyond Sunday. Just uh, truly do love you all. Love the story that we've been written into as Cornerstone Church in our little neck of the woods. And so Man, may God encourage you to just continue to embrace that story, believe that story, convey that story to one another as you walk alongside of others inside of this local church and these friendships. So God bless you all. We look forward to hanging out with you again another time.